just giving you a little warning. This episode contains coarse adult language sprinkled throughout. So if that isn't something that you're okay with, now's the time to switch off. Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim. Today's guest is an artist I discovered after past guest Ivory Ocean raided her Twitch stream at the end of Ivory's own stream. Now, if what I just said, that sentence there, kind of sounds a bit like Goldie Gook to you, that's okay because I'm pretty certain we're going to talk about Twitch and streaming and all those sorts of things in this chat. So maybe by the end of it, it will be a bit more clearer. Or quite possibly it won't be. I mean, you know, we're not experts here and we're, we're not promising anything, but you never know. So, hi, Brie. Welcome to the Art Supply Posse. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled you could join us. So let's get started probably with the most important question I think that exists, which is who is Brie Daydanen? That is such a very good question because it's extremely open-ended and I'm still figuring it out. But in terms of art, in terms of art, I breeded on in is a artist who tries very hard to make art that brings a little bit of inspiration and excitement into other people's lives. I art has always been a very big thing in my life of inspiration and excitement and a place to escape to. And I want to create the kind of art that people can do that with with my stuff. And other than that, is breeded on as a person that tries very hard to do the best that she does and best that she can to help others as much as she can. And especially in the art world and to raise other people's voices as much as possible. Personally, I'm still figuring that out. But <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. I think I'm going to add in here because our listeners will know, of course, you know, we this is an audio-only podcast. However, Brie and I have the privilege of having video so as we can see each other and I'm seeing her beautiful cat wandering in the background, in and out of shops. So definitely a cat mum is what I'm oh, going yes. to say. <laughs> I, I'm, I all things cats and I love cherry blossoms and I love anime and sci-fi and fantasy and I love tabletop role-playing games. I, every every fun thing that I can get my hands on, I absolutely adore. But I love cats and I love gardening and I love, I, I try to live my witchiest life. <laughs> Perfect. It, I would suspect, like we're right at the start, you know, this is probably a little bit too early, but I would suspect a good deal of that actually comes into your art, whether intentionally or not. I have a feeling that that kind of, and, you know, anyone who's passionate about heaps of other things as well as their art, I think makes their art even better. Yeah, I, I do draw a lot of cats, if only because my the people that I stream for, my community, my stream community wants me to draw my cats constantly. I do a lot of requests and community curated things. So a lot of the art that I do is very surrounding my passions and the passions that are shared by the community. And I would be lying if Ash wasn't a little mini celebrity herself, <laughs> oh, which is my cat. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good thing that cats are cute because, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, this, is good. <laughs> this is a good problem to have. <laughs> yes. She loves the attention. <laughs> oh, well, no doubt. They all do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, she knows she's pretty and she owns it. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cats. <laughs> so, so I'm curious. Do you know or can you recall what your first artistic memory is? Now, this could be one of two things. It could either mm-hmm. be 
the first time you made art that made you just, it could make you go, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, or Mm -hmm. it may actually be an observation of someone else making art or seeing art somewhere else that really stuck with you. It doesn't necessarily have to be your own thing, like because sometimes it's seeing somebody else's art or seeing art in real life as such. You know, maybe you've seen it in textbooks for years and then you finally get to see it in person and it's just it really stays with you. I mean, I, I know it does for me anyway. So I'm just what, what what would be your first artistic memory that really stays with you? I think I think one of my first artistic memories, I can answer both because I have two things. I have two moments in my life that I'm recalling that really stuck with me of like, this is the kind of thing that I want to do both with art that I created and art that I saw. It starts with art. Well, I guess it's more less art that I drew and more art that I helped my friend draw. I was actually in middle school. I was mm-hmm. a I was aspiring manga writer. Yeah, because <laughs> all thirteen year olds are. Yeah. And I, in my spare time, was writing a manga about or a comic about my friends in a fan in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And my friend and my other friend was drawing it. And for like a good like year in like eighth grade we made a comic about our friend group in in a manga style and i why not some people have fan fiction i self insert mangas and i remember thinking it would be so cool to be someone that creates the stories that i let the type of stories that i loved reading mm-hmm. i was very into manga as a child I was very into anime very into all of that stuff and i also really loved reading books I love lots of diving into fantasy worlds and I thought it'd be really fun to partake and write stories about a fantasy world that I would be able to be in. So I did that in middle school. And then another moment in my life was at the end of high school, which is sort of where I kind of thought that it'd be really fun to redouble down on that dream that I had Mm -hmm. in middle school was because of a channel called Geek and Sundry. Geek and Sundry was a channel where a lot of like different creative mostly like personalities but sometimes artists and like actors and things like had shows and podcasts and streams where they did their craft talked about the things that they loved and there was a show on it called the Wednesday Club which is because comics come out on Wednesdays so Mm -hmm. it was a comics show about the about comics coming out on Wednesdays and I had kept hearing so many stories of, of artists and people like getting into the industry and talking about their process and why they loved comics and it just made me want to keep creating yeah. and it made me want to strive for that sort of goal where I it wasn't me necessarily seeing someone create but more seeing someone talk about how much they loved creating yeah and I resonated with that I loved I absolutely love drawing and writing and I wanted to do that. I wanted to get into that as much as I possibly could. And so in college, I decided to major in art. Fair. That's fantastic. I guess in a way you were observing whether they were full-time working artists or not, you were observing people making some kind of living from their art, which would have also... Mm -hmm made it even if you weren't consciously necessarily thinking about the income side of it it would have helped you see that yeah it's possible like because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things a lot of people really have trouble with is seeing and recognizing like you don't have to be the 
hugest artist in the world, you know, and I'm, of course my mind just goes straight to, to, and I don't know why because, you know, they're long dead, but my brain goes straight to the old masters of painting. And, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't even, a lot of them weren't even making money at the time anyway. Like that's a whole other yep. thing. But, but we just, and I don't know how it is for you, but I know for here, certainly when I was at school, I don't think it's changed much. The education doesn't give you much about you don't have to be like them to still you can create your own kind of art and still earn a mm-hmm. decent, if not really well, good living. Yeah. It just doesn't sort of seem to come into it and I don't know why that is. So at least you had you had people there you could observe who were doing mm-hmm. the thing you wanted to do, you know, their version of it, but they were doing it and they were happy and making a life out of it. Yeah, it was it was really cool. It was it was definitely Instead of seeing, like, the starving artist trope, I saw people actually, like, making a living out of it and, like, being like, it's possible to do this. It's hard, but it's possible. Yeah. And I enjoy it. And I was, like, that's 100% what I want to do. And I want to get there someday. Yeah. I know it's going to be hard, but I want to get there someday. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of mm-hmm. probably most things are, but at least you love what you're doing, which goes a long way to making it easier yes it does yeah okay so you know you said art in art in middle school I'm sure that wasn't the first time though that you got into playing around with art no I did a lot of drawing before then why is it so important to you like how did you first come to art do you even remember was it just an extension of you know, being in, in your youngest grades and learning how to play around with pencils and things, or, or was there people in your life who were artistic? Like, why is art such a big thing for you? Do you- I don't know. I've always had a very active imagination, and mm-hmm. I had when I was younger, I had a lot of outlets for for creating in that space. I did. I was did a lot of acting when I was younger. I did some like like performance theater and things like that I've always been very performative and been the kind of person to really like dive into like the fantasies and the like imaginations that I've had and Mm -hmm. I was always like I couldn't like separate myself from the things that I was imagining as a kid and Mm -hmm. so when I was in school and I couldn't like act out the scenes that were playing in my head I drew them I even if they were shitty little stick figure drawings I (laughs) drew them as much as I could and practiced drawing my favorite characters from books that I read I also I mean a big part of it which is not necessarily that like I other people in my life were artists though my family has always been very artistic and like performance ways Mm -hmm. but I as I said read a lot of manga and watched a lot of anime and Mm -hmm. I loved animated stuff and I knew that that was drawn so -hmm. I knew that people had had to have drawn that in order to yeah make those things so I tried drawing the things that I saw on the screen to try to emulate the stories that I loved cool yeah that's that's a really good a really good thing I I think having so much of that in your life has clearly just made it an easier process to to be getting to where you are today and where you're going in the fall in in the forward apparently I just can't talk (laughs) (laughs) In the future is the word I was looking for, but anyway, you know, whatever. So so I'm thinking about you as a slightly younger person than you are right now mm-hmm. because we will talk about it, but you work digitally primarily. Yes. Where did that come from? Because it's a whole nother kettle of fish to work digitally and I'm always curious about 
particularly the people that do primarily work digitally. I, I'm curious to know why, why you love it, why it works for your particular artistic style because I think a lot of that probably has something to do with it. So can you mm-hmm. sort of share with us how you came to be working that way? Yeah, I, for very similar reasons why I decided to make art my career, I saw a lot of fan artists of shows that I loved like make art and was like, oh, that's really cool. How did they make that? And I had learned about, like, people creating comics on the computer or, like, how, like, people drawing faster to, like, turn out things a lot easier is, like, on the computer and digital drawing. And I learned, like, I learned, like, the different, like, techniques and tablets and stuff that you could use from, like, learning about people's fan art and stuff or, like, going into people's streams when I was in high school and being, like, how do they, what are they using? What do they like? What are, what is the programs and stuff that they're using? And so as my graduation present, my parents bought me a, a tablet to draw on. Nice. And so throughout college, I was part of a digital art club. There was a digital art club at my college and I would carry my laptop and my tablet around and I, I would draw and practice drawing and figure out like you have the club like we would like teach each other techniques and like different weight, like different programs to use and like how best to do this, how to calibrate your pens, because that's a really huge deal. Like in order to have like art that looks a lot like you would draw on paper, you need Mm -hmm. to have like specific pen pressure calibrations on your computer or on your tablet so that like it actually mimics your hand movement, much like with traditional drawing where you like, if you have a light touch, it's like a light mark. And if it's a hard, if you press down it's a dark touch you need to have that specific calibration that work the best for you with your pen settings and so that's a whole thing that you have to learn it's a lot of computer jargon even though I went into a very computer heavy profession and I really know nothing about technology (laughs) so it's a constant struggle most of my setup has been made by my brother who loves technology right Um, excellent keep him by So I, I I rely on him and my various friends that like technology to keep my whole thing afloat. But yeah, it it was a very interesting learning curve because I could it I was always able to draw something that I enjoyed on paper, and then I always really struggled to draw something that I enjoyed on my tablet. Yeah. And my I rem- like man, I remember when I was in college, I really like it was. Not that it was necessarily, like, bad. My art that I was making was bad or anything. It was just, I was very new at the medium, so I wasn't quite churning out the, like, the, my, I didn't have a style yet when Mm -hmm. I was in college. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of trying different things, doing what worked best, and I got into, I got into churning it out much faster because I started taking a lot of, like, other digital art classes in my art major. They only had, like, three, (laughs) and I took them all. And we had, like, these big tablets, and it was really, really nice. But I was also trying to practice drawing by doing fan art for various shows that I liked. I was super, I'm super into TTRPGs, uh, which is tabletop role-playing games. And at the time, Geek and Sundry had various tabletop role-playing games that I enjoyed watching and one of them was called Callisto 6. It was like a cyberpunk superhero art game show. It was really awesome and I every week for the every new episode I would draw something that happened in that episode to sort of give my to turn out art to to have the internet like start like 
getting noticed by people, I guess, and also to practice. And even though my art wasn't at the caliber that I wanted, people were already starting to enjoy it and be inspired by Mm -hmm. it and really appreciate the work that I was putting into it. And it really solidified the, like, you don't have to be at your best for someone to think that your art is incredible. Yeah. Just making something that you like. Yes. Putting your heart into something is all that matters. I think I think there's a couple of reasons why. One is because not everybody in that same community as you would be at all interested in, let alone attempt to make art. That's not their jam. So seeing mm-hmm. somebody that's like them, like a fan like they are, but then can make the fan art of that thing, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, they they want to encourage it. They may even say, "Hey, are you selling this? Because I'd like to buy it." Mm-hmm. Like, and then there's also that other thing of people who they might be like minded. They might want to actually be doing fan art, but they may have just picked up a pen and paper for the first time. So they're complete mm-hmm. and utter newbies. So even if you're not at that level you'd like to be at, it doesn't mean you're not better than somebody who's at a, a different level as well. Like you know, there's so mm-hmm. many different things going in, into why that works. You said something before, which is I'm going to ask a question which may may sound stupid, but that's mm-hmm. I'm willing to be stupid on record. That's fine because it's a, <laughs> I don't know a great deal about digital art aside from I have an iPad and I have Procreate and a pencil and I use it and I love it. So, but anything yeah. outside of the iPad world is new to me. You were mentioning sure. about calibrating calibrating your pens. Yeah. I'm curious to know. Does that mean if you were to take somebody else's device and their pencil or pen or whatever you mm-hmm. call it, would it not work in the same way as it would if you were using your own? Like would it be the pressure and all that sort of stuff, would it recognise that it's, it wouldn't give you the same results? It wouldn't give you the same results. Wow. Uh, it would just- It would give you, depending on your, depending on the settings, it wouldn't give yep. you the same results. Wow. Uh, That's just like broken yeah. my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it depends it's on the thing. It's the, it's sorry. sorry. It's not something you think about if it's not your world. Like if you don't work within digital, you know, especially because most of us can pick up a pencil and get similar results, relatively close results to somebody else's if you know if you're copying it directly. But having mm-hmm. a whole bunch of settings that are tied just to you, that's a it's a whole other world. Yeah. I it's it's really it's really interesting. The, I haven't played with it too much recently, mainly just because I've had my tablet since I was in high school or since I was in college after high school. And I haven't really touched with the settings since because it worked. It's worked for me. Yes, so you don't need Uh, to. But yeah, it also it depends on like the program you use. There's there's lots of different programs like the two, I think, most common ones to use outside of Procreate on the iPad is Clip Studio Paint and Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And those have different pressure sensitivities and hotkeys, which yep. is like how you, you know, choose to like control Z is different, yes. like does different things on yep. Photoshop and Clip Studio Paint, which is yep. annoying as fuck. But <laughs> it's nothing different. It's nothing worse than you trying to control Z and it just doesn't work the way you expect. But yeah, it. You have, there's a lot of different settings that you can choose and it will depend. I mean, I think it's less on the pen itself and more on the 
tablet setting. Okay. Yeah. So you can technically take a you can technically take your pen and bring it over to someone's tablet as long as the pen works with that tablet yeah. and it'll work with their settings and mm-hmm. it'll work with your settings. But yeah, okay. if you yeah. use someone else's tablet and use someone else's program, it's completely different. Wow. There's just so mm-hmm. much that I hadn't even thought about. I think you've just broken me. Oh, no, it's, for, it's, a Monday. it's a Monday here for me and you're breaking my brain on a Monday. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, so what programs do you use? What What are your most used and why do you like them? My most used are Photoshop and Procreate. So I, I love living that Procreate life. But the things that I use on stream and from like my larger pieces mm-hmm. are on Photoshop. I That's what I learned in college because that's... Yeah what they taught me on yeah so that's what I use now I've been meaning to switch over to clip studio paint because that's better for comic making and it's also cheaper (laughs) yeah it's but it's I I, the the barrier of learning a whole new program is a thing that I don't want to do right now well it's but it's no different I suppose from I don't know, going and working in watercolour to suddenly deciding to work with oil paint. Like it's a whole other thing you've got to learn. A whole other medium basically that I have to learn. Things will probably transfer over, but I, it's it's a big (laughs) ordeal and I really, I got to do it at some point, but today is not that day. No, I also use Procreate. I also use Procreate. I, when I was getting into doing this as my job after college, I was like really into, I was really into the idea of not having to stay at my desk to draw. I really mm-hmm. wanted to be able to, like, I missed the ability with uh, traditional art where you could really take it anywhere. Yeah. As long as you had a sketchbook and a pencil, you could yes. draw wherever you wanted. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I really wanted to be able to do that, again, with digital art. And I knew there was, like, tablets and stuff to be able to do that. And I did a lot of research, and Procreate and iPads were the best thing that I could find. And yeah. I am not regretting it. Procreate yeah. is absolutely lovely. If anyone wants to get into digital art and has an iPad, it's $10. Yeah. It's, you can't really say no to that. It's, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. I mean, I, at the end of the oh. day, you can you can do a lot. If you don't even have a pen, you can do a lot with just your finger or your thumb. Is what, mm-hmm. I mean, I've never tried it, but I know people that do, and you're just like, I mean, $10. It's 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 hard to say no to. It's it's really nice. It's really really nice, and the pen the pencil is a little bit pricey, but it's also yeah. it works out pretty it good, works. And, and it works amazingly well. Yeah, it works amazingly well, and they ha- do such good things with their calibrations and their pen pressure, and just yeah, already built in. Yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah. super easy, super easy beginner into digital art. Yeah, they could yeah, have better think- tutorials, but other than that, <laughs> yeah. But I think I think it's nice to have something like that that. Pretty much straight out of the box, you know. You buy you buy the app, and mm-hmm. you know, watch a couple of tutorials to get to know more about it. Because, of course, like anything, there's so much more to it than just what you initially see when you open it up. But you know, you can. Be, there's no reason you can't be making art pretty much straight yeah. away. It's, it's mm-hmm. just fantastic, and to get all that for that price, it's kind of hard yeah. to see. You know, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know because obviously I've did a little bit of research because 
that's that's um, that's always important, I think. And also, just to let the listeners know, neither not that it's neither here nor there, but I am I am in Breeze Discord. I have pretty much mostly been very quiet. I might like some things, I take part in a few bits and pieces, but for the most part, I've still been a bit too shy to share much. And I think part of that is also. Just between you and me and anyone listening, my art is completely not at all like everyone else's for the most part. So I kind of feel like it's too different, but that's just, you know, that's just me and my brain, I think. But I am curious because, of course, I went and deep dived a little bit and looked into your webcomic, The Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Now, this fascinates me. Where did the idea come from, first of all? Oh, I, okay. This is a very fun story. So I talked a little bit about earlier about me really enjoying comic work and making comics and telling stories. Yep. And I always wanted to get into web comics. I ever, like in high school, I'd like played around with a lot of ideas for different ones I could start or what are some ones that I would really enjoy. And it wasn't until I think like my junior year of college where I really like was like, this is actually a really good idea for a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other than being an art major in college, I was also an anthropology major in college. I Yes, I was a double major, art and anthropology. Good job. And... <laughs> <laughs> you have Thank no you. time for any life outside of study? <laughs> Not really. But that's, I mean, it's a little bit. I, 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 did, I did some stuff. It, it actually worked out pretty well. Like being a liberal arts major, you don't have as many things to do yeah. as other people. And art is like pretty much you just go to class and that's all you have to do. So it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I was also an anthropology major. I absolutely love anthropology. I love the Mm -hmm. study of evolution and why people are the way that they are. I love culture and ideas and just what makes people people. And so I was in a lot of anthropology classes. I was watching a lot of sci-fi media at the time with some really cool aliens and designs. And I was just sitting and doodling in my anthropology class of a a little, like, a little, like, anthropomorphic, like, skeletal bat. Um, I was trying to, like, how would this work? And I was like, okay, that'd be a really cool alien design. I could make a sci-fi whole, I could just make a sci-fi comic about aliens that I designed of, like, what are some really cool things about evolution here on Earth that is absolutely buck wild to put in a sci-fi thing. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to craft an entire story, pretty much a story in a world that was basically on the idea of like, what if fun evolutionary weird things about our like ideas and things on planet earth, could I make into alien species in a comic? And so that was kind of the inspiration for that so a lot of my inspiration came with more of the world building aspect rather mm-hmm. than the actual story of the comic yep. and yeah so I in my comic there is a little the the pilot of the of the spaceship is a little Batman mm-hmm. uh, and that was the first alien that I designed for the comic because I absolutely love him <laughs> so is it a like is it a thing that's is it a story that's kind of not necessarily all written in your mind as such, but like, you know, you, you sound like you know where you're wanting it to go. So is it sort of planned out the story and then you you draw the pages from there? Like how do you how do you make it go from what's in your mind onto the page? Well, I uh 
I kind of started in a weird way because I started writing my comic as my senior project in college. I I wanted to meld my two majors into one, and so mm-hmm. I did a ex- comic art art. My thing for my art degree was technically supposed to, I was supposed to make a gallery piece for it, but I was like, I'm going to make a comic and then I'm going to print a whole bunch and people can take them. That's what I'm going to do. And everyone was like, that's wild and go for it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I had to think of a, I had to think of a, like a story, like a succinct story to like how to put it in an issue form. Like what would be an interesting start to this story? What would be a good like beginning, middle and end? It was a really interesting way of like trying to figure out like how to make one issue how do I like I had ideas of like the different anthropological concepts that I wanted to touch I had ideas of like things that were important to me to discuss in a sci-fi setting and just like concepts and ideas of things that I wanted to explore and to like map a story onto but I didn't have anything up at that point planned after issue one I was just focusing on writing yeah the beginning of this yeah that makes sense you Um, had a deadline you had to make sure you passed like Right, exactly. And so I came up with as much of the story as I could. And like the beginning, my like, a lot of the time when I write each chapter, I have like one moment in my head that like just jumps out at me. And I'm like, okay, how do I write a story around that? Where where does that fall in? How do I write a story around that? And the moment for the first issue of The Phoenix is the moment that Cassie, my main character, jumps off of a building and lands into her invisible spaceship waiting below. Mm -hmm. And because she's trying to escape the guards on the planet. And I just had this beautiful vision of her falling off this thing being so cocky and so like, I'm actually in control of this chase situation. And I I had that moment in my head and I was like, okay, how do we, what, why is she being chased? How do we get there? What do we do to, what is, what, that's the middle climax. How do I get there? And what do we do after that? And so that was sort of my writing process for issue one. And then issue two was basically like, okay, now it's my time to like, tell you what this world and what this story is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was a lot less of like okay here is like this cool interesting moment to get you hooked more like here are all of the characters these are what they're like these are all these are sort of their motivations this is sort of their personality and this is sort of like what they're trying to do and so I had to write a script for chapter one chapter two for that to sort of like be like okay here is sort of that thing and then chapter three and four has been a little mini arc of like here is them on a mission trying to get to the next like climactic thing in their in their thing and I kind of the story I have the concepts and the ideas of like where I want the story to go yeah. but I don't have like everything written out up until the end of the story at this yeah, point yeah. I pretty much every time I need to write a new chapter I kind of like sit down and write a new chapter based on what I had written previously and like the ideas I had come up with mm-hmm. in the meantime as I'm like drawing them so I always write a chapter before I start drawing it I always type out a script first yeah and then I send that to my editor and we talk about it and we like brainstorm ideas and make sure it like is succinct and what easy to read and all of that stuff 
And then I pretty much try my best to draw pages before they're due. I've been on hiatus for a long time. I've started releasing chapter four recently again, but I was on hiatus for a long time because I had a lot of other different projects to do. I am not just a webcomic artist. Yeah. It'd be really cool if I did, but that is sort of the thing that I get paid the least for. Yeah. So I had yeah. I had a lot of other paid projects I had to do in the meantime before I could like... Yeah, that's fair enough. Then no, that makes sense. No, that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, but it is 100% my passion and 100% something that I want to keep doing. And it it is a love letter to the things that I enjoyed in my youth and the things that I continue to enjoy now. And I'm really excited to see how it grow, how the story I have thought I had thought of in college grows and changes into something uh, that is kind of tells a little bit. If you read between the lines, a little bit of my journey as a person, yeah. rather yeah. than like. This yeah. is the story and I'm going to stick to it 100%. Because that's Yeah, boring. no, it's a, it's a cool <laughs> way of getting that story out, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you, you touched on it and, and we might as well go there. As a, aside from the webcomic, which, as you said, doesn't actually earn you the most, What where else, like, where else are you a working artist in terms of are you, do you work commissions only? Do you just produce what you produce and then people sit by that based on they love, they know you and then your community and they love your work? Like what does the sort of, because again, this is another thing I think that's important is for people to hear from people that are making a living as an artist, whether, you know, they're only in the beginning stages and they might still have a, a another job on the side or mm-hmm. they're, full-time working as an artist and they make enough to survive on that and be comfortable and everything else I think it's a it's mm-hmm. it's another place we should hear more of not everyone mm-hmm. listening is necessarily wanting to be that for their life but there are people out there and I, I'm always conscious of sort of trying to talk about that when the the artists I'm speaking to are comfortable with that and it, yeah. I, you know we don't have to be talking money like the actual figures but like what mm-hmm. what else do you produce that is is work that you make money from yeah so a lot of the stuff that i do most of like where i get my money from is commissions and twitch yeah i do a lot of commission work whether that be like personal commission work or business commissions of like like doing emotes for different twitch channels or art for people's like books or banners or things that they can advertise and monetize or like Mm -hmm. use as illustrations for their stuff that they create those are kind of the two biggest things that i do the other thing is twitch which is mostly based on donations and support for people that watch my stream Mm -hmm. it is pretty much my it is my pretty much my full-time job at this point Yep. And I get uh, money from that most often. I I have probably too many different ways to support me, but as like an artist, you kind of have. You have it's to. It's really hard. It's really hard to like know what things work best for you, yeah. Yeah. and you kind of have to like pick and choose and try different things until something works the way that yeah. you want it to. Yeah. I am in my like first three years of being a full time artist um Mm -hmm. it is something that I like full-time freelance artist it is something that I wanted to like do right out of college because I had a pretty stable financial situation at the time and I still do but I didn't I I had the time and the opportunity and the money to 
fully pursue my freelance career and have a little like buffer so I could like just do that. And I didn't have to do anything else on the side. Mm -hmm. That is not everyone else's story. And I'm a very, very privileged position to be able to do that. But I wanted to be able to spend as much time focusing just on the things that I wanted to do and networking and producing art full time as long as I could. Yeah. So that's sort of what I started doing. But yeah, commissions and Twitch are the two biggest things. I also have like a bunch of other things. I will sometimes sell prints of my art that people seem really interested in, usually limited runs. I also do when I'm COVID willing and as much as I feel comfortable, I do conventions as well, mm-hmm. where I will go to conventions or places to sell art and I will table and sell my art there, which when that is a thing that I do, it honestly pays pretty dang good. As long as you can make your table fee back yeah. and get a little bit on top, that's a success. Yeah. Table fees are some of them are worth it some of them are not yes and it really depends on the kind of art you make that will work in the space of course and that's something you have to kind of like measure for yourself but that also works really well I also have like a patreon that's specifically like tailored to like behind the scenes stuff of my art Mm -hmm. and my comic as much as I am able I also have a coffee which I've been dabbling in then I'm hoping to like mesh like selling prints and commissions into Uh yeah it has that ability yeah so I've been dabbling in that a little bit and I've got a red like I've got a red bubble which doesn't pay me a bunch but it is if you are interested in making merch and not having to supply it yourself yeah or having like and has that has like a large variety and an infinite number of things you can put your stuff on Mm -hmm. I would really recommend Redbubble it doesn't pay a lot it takes a large cut but it also is really easy entry into putting art on your on clothes and things so if it works it works and yeah those are like my biggest things but mostly Mm -hmm. commissions and which are the things that I do and Commissions really relies on networking, and I guess so does Twitch. (laughs) If you are wanting to be an artist, I highly recommend getting over the fear of messaging people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I'm curious with Twitch because, so I've watched a couple of your streams now, and the Mm -hmm. one thing I noticed, and that first one that I came to was during Mermaid, and... Mm -hmm. Oh wow. Just absolutely loved what you what you made. I was curious and really loved when you are working, you're talking through the process of what you're doing, not in so much as necessarily every single step, but you know, like you I was watching you, you were applying shading and highlights and explaining why you were doing that and what that actually was doing for the piece itself. Mm-hmm. Which I think is I think is a wonderful thing because if people are watching who are artistic and you know they're watching it and they they're wanting to learn themselves, well, you've just explained something to them in a really nice way for them to go, oh, hey, maybe I should try doing that and I might get a better result or a different result to what I am now. And I'm curious mm-hmm. because it's kind of like you, you are, well, you're teaching as you're going. Is that is that something mm-hmm. you consciously decided to do or did it just sort of comes out in, in how you are when you're talking whilst you're making art? Because, of course, that's the thing with Twitch it relies on, mm-hmm. you don't have to, I guess, but most most people I, I follow or have just watched 
are chatting as they're going, you know, they're talking and saying this is, you know, whatever they're talking about, not always the art or whatnot. So, like, was it a decision you made that you wanted to share that knowledge with others as you were going? Yes, that was a conscious choice. I don't always do that, mainly just because people are not always wanting to, like, co- go to art class, basically. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, for mermaid specifically, I do a thing every year where I draw the same mermaid every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I call it my mermaid draw along. And basically yeah. what those streams are is I try to explain my art process while mm-hmm. I'm drawing this piece as much as I possibly can. Sometimes I explain a thing and I'm like, wait, nope, that's wrong. Let me go back and do it. Okay, hold on. Let me figure it out real quick. Let me just like, for a second, I'm going to figure it out and then I'll tell you how I did it. I'm not perfect. I don't know all all the time what I'm doing, but I, I, you know, (laughs) yeah. I make, I'm trying to make a conscious effort on those streams to talk about my process, talk about what this is doing, what colors I'm using, how I use lighting, how I use shading, how I do line art and line work and like the, the construction of the piece and stuff like that. Because a lot of people really enjoy or are trying to be artists and, Mm -hmm. or like wanting to like know how like the thought process that goes into it and it is not something that I can do every single time I do an art piece but it is something that I like to do at least once a year Mm -hmm. uh, with the same piece so that if people have been in my community for as long as they are or like they can like see how far their art has come or there's how their style has changed yeah year and I love doing that with mine I like during those streams with new people coming in, I will sometimes like pull up the like three. It's like, this is what I'm doing. I'm drawing these three. I'm, I'm drawing the same mermaid uh, at the same, drawing the same mermaid every year. This is what I do. I do a draw along. Yeah. This is my first year. This is my second year. This is this year. And my art has changed so much in yes. those three years. Yeah, I, I and- saw, so I saw that. Sorry to interrupt. I yeah. did your first, your second and your third. And mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, the change and the growth and mm-hmm. the improvement is it's extraordinary to see and it's it's really good I think too because it makes everybody realize that you know you're not perfect to start out with and what you're doing now is probably great but then if you're doing it again in 3 years time it will be even better like it just continues or not necessarily better sometimes it just evolves into something else completely and that's completely mm-hmm. fine you're just in a different yeah. place yeah, you're just in a different place. You have a different style. You've mm-hmm. gravitated to different techniques. Maybe you are really into like lighter colors and last time you were into really into darker colors or yeah. you have a different concept you want to try or you want to yeah. like, like it might not be a different shading style or a different lighting style or coloring style, but like you just want to try a different like pose or something yes. and like yeah. everything like it, it, it grows and changes not in a linear fashion. It's just yeah. you follow your you you follow your inspiration and the things you enjoy and the things you like to do and yeah. what brings you joy drawing them. Like you're yeah. not gonna draw the same things over and over and over again unless yeah. you like them. Yeah. Um so it it really I, I love doing those streams because it kind of shows that I'm not an impenetrable art wall and <laughs> I'm learning too. I, I don't think that any of my streams really show that I'm an impenetrable art wall with how many times I just leave drawing hands to the last second because I hate them. And there's even a command in my chat for that. But yeah, they, they, I, I, I mostly do draw log streams just as like a sort of like goal that people can like 
fund so I can like set aside time to do it. But sometimes while I'm drawing too is like if I'm doing something particularly difficult or someone in chat asks me it's like what how the fuck? Yeah. I'm like, oh this is what I did. Yeah. And sometimes I learned drawing faces like this year where I was like, okay, here's how I'm gonna explain how to draw a face and I'm like this doesn't make sense to anyone that's not an artist because I've just been drawing faces so much. I've just I just know how to do it, eyes yeah. closed. I don't know how I can explain this anymore. <laughs> I I don't, there's not a science. I just do yeah. it now. Yeah. I think the really nice thing about Twitch and I guess also YouTube as well, if you, if you go there, is particularly for people that had not much of an education around art at all, you know, there was not, mm-hmm. not, no extra classes or anything or maybe even the classes they took weren't great when they were at school or it's been so long since they've even attempted to do anything like that. They give you, it gives you a place to learn without any kind of pressure, you know, especially because you're doing it in the comfort of your own home, mine would assume, mm-hmm. and for the most part, you're following someone on Twitch that for whatever reason you've came, come to and you like that person. There's something mm-hmm. about that person or their art or their style that connects with you, so therefore you're going to feel more comfortable learning mm-hmm. from them than, say, somebody else that, you know, they might be scary, overbearing, rude. Like, you know, I'm just thinking of the worst mm-hmm. case scenario teachers that we all come across from time, you know, when we're at school. At least with somebody you've found on Twitch, it's it's a it's a better kind of connection that you're making. I would think. Mm-hmm. I I would agree with that. It's 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 more like, you know, like in my digital art club where you go up to someone that you see drawing and be like, "Hey, how'd you do that thing? Yeah. How how how'd you do this thing? Or like you talk to your peer rather than your teacher about the thing that they're doing. Yeah. And I. I really like that about Twitch a lot. It's it's a lot more approachable and it has the live aspect on the like where a lot of YouTube videos you just would have to leave a comment. But it Twitch has that live aspect where like someone can come in and be like how is this happening? What are yes. you doing? What programs yeah. are you using? Yeah. Tell me about what's happening here. And yeah. m- most most often than not every artist would be like, "Oh, hell yeah, I'll tell you all about what I'm doing because yeah. I have a lot of knowledge about it, and yeah. if you want to get into it, I'm happy to help. It's a nice community, I think. Mm-hmm. Our Twitch is some one of full of some of the best people. They it's just all about creating, lifting each other up, and making stuff that you enjoy. And most people are like incredibly chill and. Mm. I, I, some of the people that mod for my community have modded for other communities that aren't art streams and they have to do so much less work in an art stream. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. So, so we're kind of coming towards the end of the conversation. I am curious to know though, let's say, I don't know, you wake up tomorrow and you decide to start a new art piece. Mm Mm-hmm. Where would you find the inspiration for that? Is that an idea that you have or is it something you see, something you feel? Like how, and and I'm not talking about a commissioned work. I'm just talking Mm -hmm. about a piece of art that you're making initially for yourself that, yes, may end up becoming prints and things like that, but Brie wakes up and she wants to make a piece of art, fresh, nothing there to begin with. Where do you find inspiration? 
I think a lot of the time when it's just a fresh piece that has nothing that isn't like related to uh, mm-hmm. that is like fan art related or commission mm-hmm. related or anything. I think a lot of it just has to do with a feeling that I am feeling. Most of the stuff that I create is fan art and commission work, but there are some times where I will just draw a thing that I really enjoy. And a lot of the time, most of the stuff that I draw that's just for myself mm-hmm. uh, has to do with like like witchy things, but also like to do with like plants that I really enjoy or mm-hmm. concepts that I really enjoy or like a feeling that I want to invoke in myself and hopefully Mm -hmm. in others. There was a piece that I created a few weeks ago that I posted on my socials called Dawn. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a like angelic woman, like with the sun behind her and Mm kind of like a halo. And that was sort of like really what just, it doesn't happen often, but I like woke up and I was like, I... I'm not feeling great and I want to draw something that will make me feel better. And I drew just the brightest, kindest, warmest piece that I could think of. And just, I had already had an idea for this piece and like dual pieces of it beforehand. Mm -hmm. I, when I was like a kid, I had an idea when I, uh, like a a game that I played with myself where like I had the same shirt just in two different colors Mm -hmm. and one was like yellow and one was like dark blue. And I was like, I'm dawn and dusk and like they can never meet in whatever when I was a kid. And so I thought it'd be really fun to like, my mom like reminded me of that a few months ago and I was like, that'd be super fun to draw. I can draw now. I can bring that to life. And I was just, one day I was just not feeling great. I was like, I'm going to draw Dawn today. I'm just going to do that. That's what I'm going to do today and just make myself feel better. Are those personal pieces harder, do you think, than the commission work? Mm, Actually, no. When the mood and the inspiration hits, it's it's just, it comes out so much easier, I think. I truly, like, I, I don't think I drew a sketch faster like sometimes just an image will just pop in your head and you're like, that's a hundred percent the composition and the colors and the like the way it looks that I want. And then you you're just both your brain and your hand work together and it comes out and you're like, everything is coming up. This looks so good. This is exactly what I envisioned. And that more often than not happens with personal pieces. That will sometimes happen with commission work when like the person has provided a lot of references and images and talked about their character and will really like, I will get like really excited about the character. And then I'm yep. like, I know exactly what I'm going to draw yep. and yep. I will be able to do that. But most often than not, it's so much easier to do it on a personal piece because you're already excited about it. Yeah. Cool. So what sort of, what tips or tricks or ideas, suggestions even like for someone who's listened and they're like, Oh, you know what? I wouldn't mind giving digital a try. What could you, what would you suggest to them, especially, I guess, coming from a, from two points? One, they have experience with, with traditional media or mediums, mm-hmm. so that's a whole other world. But also maybe the mm-hmm. person who hasn't even really tried either. They've just sort of thought about it and maybe they've got an iPad, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, well, maybe Brie talking about Procreate, that sounded really cool. I'll give it a go. What what can you sort of suggest to somebody who'd like to to get into digital art? 
I'd say for someone that does traditional art, a lot of the fundamentals are the same. It's very much like you do your sketch, you do your inks, you do your colors. That's generally still the same process in digital art as well, unless you do painting, then it's even closer. You just have to learn them. You just have to learn the medium and how things blend. Yeah. I got into digital art more often by painting like landscapes and stuff than I did actually like doing a sketch and doing the lines and then doing color. I do mostly that now, but I did a lot of landscapes when I first started and to try to just like kind of see the composition and the blend and stuff. I would also say if you are familiar with traditional art and would like to do digital art, don't forget to like utilize the tools given. Like if you're using Procreate or anything else, there is a zoom tool. You can have canvases this, like larger than you even can imagine. Like yeah. make it as big as you want and like zoom in and really get those fine details if you'd like. Cause it's never been easier to get things down as fast as at, at the, the perfect way that you want them to without yeah. with a zoom tool. There's also undo. You don't have to erase. It'll like, if you just make a line that you don't like, you can just undo it. And it mm-hmm. is saves so much time it is so lovely it it doesn't come naturally but it's so worth it to really just use the undo button or the control z whenever you're able to but other than that the fundamentals are pretty much the same if you're used to traditional art and don't want to like like drag the screen and like make a line with your hand there are like digital art like gloves that you can put on your hand which are like on your pinky and ring finger on your whatever dominant hand you have and then that just is like a little plastic sheet that you don't kind of like just like you don't smear things on your charcoal or whatever Mm -hmm. that you not you don't make a line with your hand on accident so those are sort of like just some things like that I really utilized and had to like learn and Mm -hmm. realize about digital art from traditional art if you don't have any art experience at all. I honestly think it'll be easier to learn digital art than learning traditional art. The fun you still have to learn the fundamentals of like mm-hmm. here's how to have like a loose hand while you're drawing so you don't like just scrape scrape the screen. So you have a loose hand to make the shapes that you want to do and you'll have to like learn how to break down shapes into like learn how to see a thing and then break it down down into shapes to make it easier to draw and learn how to like still like shade and things like that but with digital art you won't have to learn the like here's how to hold your pen in order to shade a lot of the time you can just choose a color dim an opacity like make the opacity like make the opacity lighter and then it's just yeah a lovely little shade mark it's a shadow it's great it's so much easier there's so many more shortcuts in digital art if you don't know traditional art, you'll probably take to digital art much easier as, as long as you've used a computer in your life. Yes. Um, as long as maybe edited a photo once or like wrote an email and had to do some like undo. Like it's all the same sort of buttons. It's just for a visual medium rather than like an email or editing yeah. a photo or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so. definitely. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Brie, this has been such a great chat. I I love these kind of conversations because I come to the end of them and all I want to do is run away and make art. Like that's what I kind of hope it's what I hope our listeners get from from it too, is they're so inspired at the end of it and they just 
just going and making something to doing something. Like, I, you know what, and it doesn't even have to be digital, right? Just mm-hmm. I think sometimes that's the other really cool thing about art is it doesn't even matter if it's not the medium you work in or something you've any experience with. Just listening to somebody talk about their their art medium, what they love doing and creating is enough to inspire you to do your own thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love that. I love that and I really hope that that's what our listeners get is, you know, inspiration at the end of every episode is kind of what I hope for. I, I hope for that too. That is what I that's why I do what I do. So if any of y'all were inspired during this podcast, let me know. Seriously. I would love to know. Definitely. I would can love you, to see what you create. Can you share with the listeners where where can they find you online? Lots of places, but you know, where where to go. Yeah, the best places to find me online are probably my Twitch channel and Twitter. I also, if you just want to see just my art, I also have an Instagram. I'm at Brie Donnan pretty much everywhere. It is B-R-I-D-A-N-A-N-N. That is my username on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and pretty much every other social media or art selling place I'm at. So if you would like to find any of my, any of my stuff, that is where I am. You, If you make art because of this podcast, truly let me know. If you post it on Instagram or on Twitter, tag me and tell me about it. I would love to see it. Yeah. It's always cool when someone does that. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you, Bree. Thank you so much. This has just been such a great chat. I'm really glad I reached out to you. I'm really glad you were able to make time. And yeah, I hope I hope we've inspired some people today. I, I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun and thank you for reaching out. This was absolutely lovely. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. 